I am your father. This is a Brandon Colby Jacobs from Facebook exclusive. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Yo, what to do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs, and you are listening to the Established 1984 Podcast, man. And on this episode, man, it, it's crazy because I think a lot of people would have probably thought that I would have I gotten this person on the podcast a lot sooner because of the huge influence that he has had on my life. For those of you who don't know this man, trust me, you're in for a, a real treat, mainly because just about every, for all of you people who listen to my podcast, because you want to hear about the next cool hip-hop person and what they're doing and all that kind of stuff like that. This person has played an integral role in a lot of influential, influential uh, hip-hop folks uh, in the Jacksonville area, whether that's Manny G, whether that's myself, and, and a variety of other people. And we're going to get an opportunity to just sit down and chat with him, talk about, uh, talk about what his history is like, what he's accomplished as a music professional, and just kind of catch up a little bit because he's played a huge role in my life. I have John Larson who was the choral director at First Coast High School and now is at Wolfson High School on the line. JL, how are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate that intro. <laughs> I try to I try to make it as big and boisterous as possible, you know. <laughs> it was great. Well, I'm, I'm like, I want to meet that person. <laughs> oh, don't be that way. You you definitely know that you had a huge influence on a lot of people. So I'm excited that we got a chance to sit down and talk before I know the school year kicks back up and, and you know, you're tied up with everything that you have going on. Definitely. So... Um, obviously, I want to now, this podcast for the most part has been centered around hip-hop influencers, as I stated, but I'd be remiss if I didn't sit down with you, given your huge musical influence on me and many others in the Jacksonville music community. That being said, many people don't know that you're actually a Jacksonville native, and we always tell the, the, the a lot of the hip-hop folks who get on the podcast to rip their hood and all that kind of stuff. So, why, can you talk a little bit about growing up in Jacksonville, what side of town you're from, and how all of that kind of shaped you? Yeah, yeah. Well, my mother was a native, too, so okay. we go back a while. I was raised on the west side of Jacksonville. Okay. And when I was in the ninth grade, I got in Ms. Johnson's course at Lakeshore Junior High School, and it kind of changed my life. And and I really, of course, I got in it because there were 70 people in the chorus, and mm -hmm. that meant a lot of girls, a lot of interaction. So <laughs> that part was great. And then I went on to high school, and uh, Eugene White was my course director. And for those of you in um, Jacksonville, you know Dr. White. He's a pastor, and he is still making music, e even at his age, because wow. I'm pushing retirement now. So you can imagine <laughs> my teachers. Um, but but that was a really positive experience, you know. Then then I, I did go on. I stayed in Jacksonville. My, my mother was ill at that time, mm -hmm. and I went to JU, and my father and I took care of her while I was going to college, and then uh, my first job was at DuPont Middle School, and my mother died um, at, when I about the second year of me teaching. Okay. Um, and then about that time is when all the Mandarin schools opened up. So DuPont went from 1,500 students down to 500 in one year. Of course, I'm the new 
teacher mm-hmm. and they surplus me. Right. So I'm thinking, what am I going to do? So the day before school starts, I get this phone call, and I'm thinking, this is the wrong voice that I should be hearing. <laughs> and they were telling me to go to Hyde Grove Elementary. Oh, wow. And I got to Hyde Grove. I didn't know what these little kids could do. I didn't know what, what, what to do with them, but I called some of my buddies from college that were in elementary music. And it was really it was a, it turned out to be a good year and it changed my whole philosophy of teaching mm-hmm. and you think about elementary school it's all about building self-esteem for everybody and right. nobody sure themselves in elementary school well that transfers to high school too who doesn't want to feel good about themselves right and who doesn't <laughs> doubt themselves right doesn't, you, you're not sure what you can do so even though i would have never planned that the lord knows what he's doing and that year in elementary school really helped me okay and then that's how i ended up at first coast and we're and gonna ended up <laughs> we're gonna get to all of that i want i want okay. to chronicle you a little bit so we're, we're going back up a little bit now um for a lot of people who don't know uh your father uh who who passed away recently john t larson uh was right. a navy captain um, now, many okay. might assume that the son of a military man wouldn't be the most likely to be the sort that would end up in classical music. So can you talk me through life growing up uh, as the son of a military man and the impact that left on you and ultimately kind of how music ends up playing a role in your life? Because that usually, you know, that usually just doesn't happen. You know, military right. folks tend well, to make more analytical children. To make that a real short answer, Mama was sort of the more dominant parent. Oh, okay. And she was she was a singer. Okay. And she had been trained in music some, you know, and so we grew up with that. Uh, she didn't have a degree or anything, but mm-hmm. she had taken voice lessons and she sang in the church. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, then she made sure we took piano lessons, and I did okay in piano, but I'm not great by any means. Um, and so that that's where that came from. And Daddy was just real quiet, you know. Okay. He kind of laid back and. And his parents, uh, Larson is Norwegian, and his parents were from Norway. And I didn't learn till I was an adult. I knew they wouldn't let him out much in New York. That's where they lived in Brooklyn mm-hmm. their whole lives. Right. And, and it was because they couldn't speak the language when they came here. Oh, they didn't know okay. any English, and they were afraid to let their, their child out play with other kids. So it's funny how you don't learn things about your parents until you're an adult sometime. Okay, okay. Now, you graduated from Ed White, right? Correct. Okay, you graduated from Ed White in the, um, well, we'll just say it was a while ago, because I know how you are about your age, but a while ago. (laughs) It was the 80s, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, so you graduated from Ed White, you end up attending Jacksonville University at a time where I don't think many people were considering any universities in Jacksonville on a consistent basis like that. Now, you explain that, you know, because your mother was sick, you it was the reason why you chose to yeah. attend a school, and, school and in JU's Jacksonville. Already, JU's always had a good music school. Okay. JU's a tough school. It was sort of it the is. school back then that the, that the rich kids from the north, if they couldn't get into Harvard or Yale, their parents sent them down to JU. Oh, it okay. is kind of fantastically expensive. It still is, (laughs) but they have a really good financial aid department, and they'll give you a lot of scholarships to go there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, you you already you kind of brought up a little bit about about being at a at Dupont and and kind of that that whole process. So, can you kind of walk me through a little bit and with a little bit more detail, kind of like that history after graduating from from college at JU and then kind of like maneuvering through 
you know, the middle school dynamics and then elementary school yeah. and all of that. Can you walk me through that a little bit? Yeah, and it's funny how life treats you. Uh, when I came out, there were no jobs anywhere. So wow. I started subbing in schools, and they said sub at the schools that that you might want to teach at. So um, I subbed at Ed White because that's where I had gone to school, and I subbed at Wolfson. And then a friend of mine, she was going to go out on maternity leave for six weeks, and she said, will you take my class? And oh. I said, well, you know, I wanted the money. It was in geometry. Oh, okay. I said the Lord has a sense of humor, <laughs> but 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 I took I did the six weeks in there and I stayed like two days ahead of the kids mm -hmm. and the principal was real impressed and then all of a sudden he's calling me in. They're losing their band director, so I was the interim band director at Wolfson oh, okay. from spring break until the end of the year. Okay, and they had a great booster organization if you'd let them work for you mm -hmm. and it was a largely jewish school back then mm -hmm. well let me tell you jewish people are very organized and they'll do anything they can for you <laughs> and we went we went on trips we went to competition here i am i'm a sub but i was getting the band supplement so it felt like a lot of money to me right so i did that um from spring break until the end of the year and then the principal of wolfson's wife worked at DuPont and that's how I found out about the DuPont job okay. and so I did that I started off with course there the courses weren't great um, and I was there just surplus and then put into elementary school okay. and I mean I tried my best but I don't think I was a great teacher and the courses weren't that great either mm -hmm. but um, the year elementary changed everything Okay. And then and then that's when First Coast opened and the job opened up and I went and interviewed for that. Okay. Now, I mean, obviously, were you at First Coast the year one or was it year two that you ended up at First Coast? It was Coast? year two because the school wasn't even completely built when they opened it. Right. And so they opened without a chorus. I think the band director did one period, but uh, the band and chorus rooms had tons of boxes refrigerators and chairs and everything in them mm -hmm. so that was like the delivery zone so the school opened small and they didn't really even have a course teacher so i went to technically the second year of the school okay now walk me through those early years of, of first coast high school chorus i i know that in the early 90s there was some racial tension because my sister went there my sister carla went there before candace and we'll get to candace uh, she went there, and I know that there were some racial tensions that appeared to be present uh, with black students coming from Dunn Avenue, converging with white students from Ocean Way for the first time. Was that something that you experienced or you perceived at that point, or was it something that really didn't impact the dynamics of your course? It didn't impact the chorus, but there were, I did do a lot of obser observing, mm -hmm. and for the most part, there, I didn't violence so much but it was like kids would identify a certain group like the flag core of the band was black mm -hmm. the cheerleaders were white mm -hmm. and it was like and and people seemed to get along but it did look weird to me mm -hmm. that well why is that group all one way and and the other group the other way now the chorus was the exception because i'm white Mm -hmm. And I think it was the second year 
of the school. The first year, I just had two two courses. I had a concert choir and a women's course. Mm-hmm. But the second year I was there was the first time we had a men's course, we had a women's course, we had a concert choir, and we had the chamber singers. Mm-hmm. And the chorus was majority African-American, but the males were like 90% always mm-hmm. African-American. And mm-hmm. uh, the band director who was there for so long, Mr. Johnson, mm-hmm. he's, he's black. He'd walk by and he'd call the men's chorus the Harlem Boys Choir all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the girls were about 50-50, and mm-hmm. we didn't have... We didn't have Asians or people from India or Middle East. We just had plain black people, plain white people back then. <laughs> um, but but always the men's course was usually at least ninety percent African American. Right now, it's funny that you say that because even you know I've been in the course room millions of times. Um, and I even noticed that I noticed that you know maybe in the early years in it I, I obviously your numbers overall increased. So my question to you is, is that were you surprised, like as we get to like the mid nineties, the massive increase that you start to see as far as enrollment in course, and then even more so that, that, that increase of a black students choosing to enroll at, at what seemed to be a dramatic pace. Um, I asked that question because as time goes on, in your history, and we'll get there. You uh, you become more than an educator. You become identified as a father figure for a number of young black men and women. Was that something that you were conscious of early on? Uh, was that fatherly dynamic just something that was always in you? Kind of, kind of walk me through all of that because that has to be fairly unique. Because there aren't too many, too many white guys that end up having such a huge impact on the massive number of of young black people in the way that you have. Yeah, well, th- there was a lot of questions there. Let me see if I can get to the <laughs> First of all, yeah, the enrollment, it, it, you, people used to make cracks and would kind of bother me. Mm-hmm. And the, it wasn't criticizing black people, but it was like, oh, you know, some of the white children aren't getting the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it bothered me a little bit at first because I'm like, am I doing something wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm – but then I – I finally got to saying, whoever walks through that door, that's who gets to participate, mm-hmm. you know, because except for chamber singers, it was completely open, whoever wanted to join. Mm-hmm. So I got over that real fast. Okay. Um, and I always had plenty of numbers. Now, I do remember it was the second year, and I'm going to call out his name. I haven't seen him in years. His name was William Jackson, and we all called him Wimp. <laughs> but one day he's like, Mr. Larson, Mr. Larson. Well, I can hear him, but I was doing something else, you know. I was engaged with somebody else, and then he goes, mm-hmm. "Daddy," <laughs> and he was the first one. <laughs> and so that made an impact. But the, there's been lots of variation, um, you know, Daddy Larson, Daddy L, you know, mm-hmm. Dad, Plain Dad, Pops, a lot, mm-hmm. lot of Pops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was it something that? So it's just essentially for you, was it just something that over time you realize, okay, this is the role that I play or, or was it something that that you stopped and and thought about? Yeah. And I I never thought it was like, like overly like favoritism toward any individuals or anything. Mm -hmm. I think it's because I pay attention to the individual or I try to, Mm -hmm. I really try to. 
and treat each person as an individual. But I don't. I know I don't always say the right things or do the right things, but I acknowledge that they are special and that they're unique. Mm-hmm. And then in you in chorus, that's the great thing is we have all these different people, and you were in the chorus. You know, different sizes, mm-hmm. especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and but that we can do something together that none of us could do by ourselves, and that's produced a great choral sound. Right, right, hundred percent. Now. Talk to me about some of your first major accomplishments with the First Coast High School Chorus. There's, there obviously ended up being a tremendous amount of visibility for the chorus and ultimately for you. But was it something that happened out of the gate or was it a slow build? It was a slow build. Everything was slow. Um, first of all, though, establishing that there was always a men's chorus, a women's chorus, a concert choir, chamber singers. And then later on, it got to be you know, two two or three women's choruses, and then for five years there was even an assistant. And mm-hmm. and then I think traveling was, was a big part, too. And I used to laugh and say, people walk up to me, and they don't say, I want to be in the chorus because you're a good teacher. They say, you go on trips, don't you? <laughs> and, and that was a big part of it, you know. And, of course, at first the trips were kind of modest. You know, we did Disney a lot, and we did Atlanta. But then... When the Jaguars came to town and we started working there, we built our way up from working just, we were working at the in, with the band at first, and then we worked in the stands ourselves, and then gradually into a booth, and then we ended up, over the years, had all four of the largest booths, mm-hmm. and that, that cost us, you know, 10 times we went to New York, and um, New Orleans, Virginia mm-hmm. Beach, mm-hmm. Um, Williamsburg, you know, so that, that helped a lot of people go on a lot of trips. And, and it was great, too, because we always perform while we're there, but you learn a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any uh, any major accomplishments in those early years that, that, that kind of stand out to you, some things that, that, like, hey, that we're really making progress? Yeah. Oh, the second year when the course went to state, Okay. One of the courses went to state, and when I was in high school, we never made it to state. Oh. You know, my whole time, and we had a good chorus, but mm. but we just we couldn't get enough superiors at district to go to state. And we went to state, and I think I know we only had four guys in the chamber singers, and they were singing three part men. They were really strong singers, and then probably probably about th- we had to have at least thirteen girls. Um, but it was a real small group and the encouragement that we that we got and but I couldn't believe it I could not believe it because we came home with a state plaque hmm. and you know some schools have really great programs you see those plaques everywhere of course First Coast had zero plaques because we were in a new school but right. I remember that first time I thought I never thought we would get to state <laughs> and then we ended up going to, for the next 23 years so Right. We went every year I was there, so mm-hmm. that was that was pretty. It was still amazing every time we go. I, I, I always I can't believe it when we get to state, but it's it's a great honor. Definitely, definitely. Now, getting into some personal questions between you and I, I meet you in 1998, about a week into my freshman year. And, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. And to be honest, my mother and my sister Candace, who uh, who you got to teach in her senior year, 
had you put me in the men's corral. Do you recall what I was like back then? Because obviously I would end up changing over time. And, and also talk a little bit about Candace and, and who, how she was as, as a performer. Well, yeah, your your sister is a wonderful young lady. And I remember I was talking to her and I said, you've got a brother at First Coast? And she <laughs> says, yes, and he sings. And I went and found you in a class. <laughs> yeah, you, you never came in the chorus room nope. on your own. I went and found you. I don't think I told you you were going to be in the chorus, but I gave you a pretty good invitation. That's the way it's written in the book, thing. Mr. Larson. We're going with the book still. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you didn't just sign up. You needed a little encouragement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you were you were a little dude with a big bass voice and, and I always I always get a kick out when you were doing a solo or something and you walk in the room and the judge is going to think something they're going to see this you know kind of short little Tenor kid one. yeah right right yeah yeah and then this booming bass voice comes out and they're like looking at you sideways like where is all that voice coming from so that was always funny I always I like all kinds of dispelling stereotypes. There's one right there, you know. And right. then also like uh, African-American young man mm -hmm. uh, singing very traditional solo literature mm -hmm. and then scoring very well and going on to state with it too. Mm -hmm. Except for that except for that first year when that – it's so funny because I, I always think back. I actually was, was cleaning up before we moved from Atlanta here and um, I found some of my old, uh, you know, those little sheets that they give you after you, when they're scoring right. you, they give yeah. you the sheet or whatever. And I actually found the one from ninth grade where she gave me that same, that same judge that ended up giving me my final superior my senior year, who gave me an excellent my freshman year because she said she had never given a superior to a freshman. To a freshman, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, um, I, I ended up finding that, and I, I went ahead and I, I kept that one. So it, it's kind of cool to kind of go back and look on those things. Still a little bit pissed off with her because, you know, I could have had the hat trick, but it's all cool. <laughs> and excellent is still really good, but, yeah, I hate when they say things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think uh, to that point, there, there, to that point around 1998, 1999, there hadn't been any freshmen to perform in the concert choir. But you allowed me and then Junior – Javon Jubert to deviate from what had been a hard and fast rule for you up to that point. Talk to me a little bit about Javon musically at the time and, and your choice to have me and him both join the concert choir at a time where, you know, decisions like that weren't something that, that you really that you really made. Well, you have to reevaluate every year and you can't really state a hard, fast rule sometime when it's not for the good of the chorus. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the exact um, facts going around that but it must be because I was hurting for some male singers that year in that group mm -hmm. and y'all were both promising mm -hmm. um, but I do remember you remember when y'all brought Jovan into the chamber singers because we needed a male singer mm -hmm. and we ended up going to state with him and doing real well 
and then y'all had a chamber singer party at the end of the year and didn't even invite him. It was like, they <laughs> used that boy just to get your superior because he wasn't technically a part of the group. He that was wasn't that wasn't me yet. I don't come in until 10th grade, so he, he's, all, okay. he's a year ahead of me, so they did that okay. to him. <laughs> well, those other chamber singers... <laughs> He's in Okinawa, Japan now. He's oh, a Marine really? there. Oh, okay. And he would, yeah, he, he has a little girl that lives here in Jacksonville, and I, he's going to be popping up kind of this week because she's got to go back to school next week. He had mm-hmm. her over there, so he'll be back. Okay. And he always, he, he comes and stays here. Okay. Yeah. This is his home rather <laughs> than his parents' house. Yeah, I, you guys always had a, had a really strong relationship. I didn't really know all the details about that. I, I just knew that you guys had a really strong relationship even after you graduated. And, and yeah. you know, there was some sort of tension on some level there where where he found, I guess, more support from you than he kind of did from his family. But I didn't know much about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so so it's, worked, it's worked out good. And he's on the other side of the world. But I do like to check in with him when he's back in town and he always comes by uh, funny enough i'll actually i'll actually be on that side of the world next month i'm going to tokyo so yeah oh my gosh <laughs> that's great yeah i'm excited that's great I, i've been paying for my hotel rooms and all that kind of stuff so i'm looking forward to it now there will always be debates about the best year in the history of the chorus I, now i've always oh. found that 2000 2001 uh, had the greatest collection of pure talented voices ever assembled and and you know I followed the course all the way into the mid 2000s gotta show some love to some folks real quick with voices like Desmond Dimps, Ray Ward yeah. Raven Richmond, Matt Tate, Stephanie Kreider, Kaylee Freeland Artisha Allen, Mike Ross and countless others even if every voice wasn't perfect you seem to be able to put all of those voices together uh, in a way that was very unique um this is also the first year that you brought compositions by Moses Hogan into the catalog. Talk to me a little bit about some of the talent uh, and why you felt like bringing those power pieces like Moses Hogan was something that our group had the capacity to do at that point. Yeah, well, you've got to have the guns to do a piece like one of Moses Hogan's arrangements. And it usually means every part is divided at least into two and acapella and very rhythmic. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's just years, and, and you've got to have the mint, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not really, you know, dispelling anything about how wonderful women singers can be. But in chorus, especially in high school, you know, there's ten girls usually for every one guy. Mm-hmm. And and we didn't have that, so to have that divided part. Did we, did, did we do Battle of Jericho? Yeah, Battle of then? Jericho was yeah, the first one. it had just... It had just come out, and I remember, is that when we did it down in Gainesville? I'm trying to get my mm-hmm. years together. Yep, you're getting your years together okay. at, at that year. Okay, that was the first time we had ever done it, and I remember a great friend of mine um, <laughs> who was African-American, he is, he's still a great, great friend of mine, was the center judge, and we finished that, and y'all, y'all did a fantastic job. And he just jumped out of his chair and was just screaming and yelling and wrote, I don't know what he wrote, like on the judge's sheet, like, you the man or something like that. <laughs> that's, that's all he wrote on all the sheets and wrote superior. You know, he didn't get into any particulars. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 
that that was some great time. But I sensed that we had the talent available, you know, and you've got that's the secret. Anytime you go to competition, you play up what you've got Mm -hmm. and you try and hide what you don't have Mm -hmm. because nobody's ever going to have a completely perfect chorus. Right. Um, So there's those. And then you, you can come back years later and you think you have the same the same talent and the piece just doesn't work you know right. but it was really excitement that was a new piece out on the market moses hogan was fairly new to the uh, arranging world so that was that was some great times mm-hmm. it was so it was so cool because actually that i know for a fact that um at um you know the regional competition before we got to state we ended up running the table we got all superiors from all of the judges everybody yeah. was just blown away that concert choir which is why i always show love to that concert choir the mixed chorale that year did very well but that concert choir that year with those collection of voices i mean like i i think what and i can speak specifically for for the men specifically we had so many amazing voices that had come just two years prior to that, you know, but, you know, you had, you had a lot of people who came before that, that kind of trained folks up because, you know, I, you know, when I was younger, I was always very, very confident in my skills, but without having Desmond, without, you know, uh, there's another guy now that's living down in Tampa, uh, Gresham, Robert Gresham, I think is his name. Yeah, Robert, without having Robert to kind of train me up and prepare me, you know, granted, Robert's not a part of the group that I'm talking about as far as the 2000-2001 concert corral because he had already graduated, but those people kind of trained us up and we were so well equipped when we walked into my junior year, Desmond's senior year, to just go out and completely nail it, so it was a really good time. Yeah. Right. Now, one of those voices that, that, uh, that really trained me up you know, from a musical perspective and also from a personal perspective, was Tyler Nesbitt. And on February twenty yes. second, two thousand and one, I think it's a day that I think neither of us will ever forget. Um, as that's the day that one of the greatest human beings that I think either one of us ever met passed away, Tyler Nesbitt, randomly uh, and without notice. Can you talk a little bit about that day for you? Where you were when you found out your feelings, and ultimately. Uh, what he has meant to you and his lasting impact? Yes. Well, yeah. Tau had graduated, mm-hmm. and and you mentioned that was February. The last time I had seen him was on Christmas Day, and he had come by my house, and of course he had like a gift for me. Mm-hmm. And the other um, unique thing that happened that day that was kind of neat was Mike Jones who was in the very first chorus who lives in Tampa but his mama still lives here he was visiting at my house too Mm -hmm. and so he got to meet Tao just like he's going out and Tao's coming in Mm -hmm. but yeah Tao was one year um, out of high school he had decided to work um, to put some money together before going to school mm-hmm. and his girlfriend who he had always they had always been together and we just knew they were going to get married you know she was down in Daytona mm-hmm. a lot of times he would with his work he was able to stop by there and and I know he gave her money too you know mm-hmm. to keep her in school mm-hmm. um, Tau was like he was a great athlete too basketball yes, football a good leader mm-hmm. I remember one day he didn't think the chorus was acting right toward me and I watched him get up on that stand and tell off the whole chorus and y'all all respected him so mm-hmm. you kept your mouth shut and you took it mm-hmm. um, But and then a good singer too 
and I had kind of wanted him to be president and and he was worried about that because he was involved in so many different things that he couldn't do the job and so he asked that you know me not to pursue that anymore for for him to be president of the chorus but he was also a jokester and Mm -hmm. we we would like i mentioned working at the jaguar games at that time we had a booth with 18 registers in it and there was a ton of work to do and most people you had to say you know you fill up cokes all day or you go get ice we had to give people very specific things to do mm-hmm. or they'd just get overwhelmed they wouldn't know what to do right. but talu we knew just just let him talu had that eye where he could scan the whole booth go to each person see what needed to be done and then either tell them to do it or he'd do it themselves but at the same time, I don't know. Do you remember Hester Cash, mm, Catherine no, Cash's mom? No, she she was working, very attractive lady, working at a booth, <laughs> and these young guys are across the counter, kind of flirting with her. Mm-hmm. Now that could kind of be their mother. And he walks by her. Now her name was Hester Cash, and he's like, "How Hester got her groove back?" <laughs> 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 So, I mean, he was a jokester, too. Of course, Miss Cash loved him, you mm-hmm. know, but he'd, he'd come, out, come out with jokes like that. But, um, yeah, the day um, he died, I was in Boston, and I was visiting Mike Jones, who was working up there, who had been at my house there on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And Mike had this cushy thing where he's working, but they're paying for him to stay in a hotel. So I'm in the hotel room pouring down snow and this is when cell phones were first out mm-hmm. and i'm starting to get all these like hang-ups on my cell phone and uh, and then finally i got a message from you and you're like mr larson i have got to talk to you now this is during the school day and i'm like it's got to be something big mm-hmm. And I think I called you back or you called me and we got in contact with each other and you told me that Tyler had died. And the story that I hear uh, from his grandmother is something he was probably born with in a large heart, mm-hmm. which uh, a lot of um, African-American young men are born with. Mm-hmm. And it usually does not show up in physicals, um, even though you know he was involved in sports. So I know he had good medical attention over the years mm-hmm. and from the he was playing basketball up on Dunn Avenue and just fell and the guys that were there said Mr. Larson we think he was dead by the time he hit the pavement so he went quick but it was so sad so after that um, I told his grandmother that we we're going to set up a scholarship fund uh, from the chorus and at first she contributed money and we had other people contribute and then over the years we got so we would keep a certain amount back from the jaguar uh funds um to be able to so every year until until i left first coast we would have his his grandmother come and speak to the chorus at our banquet Mm -hmm. and then we would give away at least two scholarships sometimes three scholarships to students who are voted on by the chorus senior class. Mm-hmm. So it's always kept his memory going for, for, you know, 
at first it was nice because everybody remembered Talu, and then all of a sudden, you know, in four years, nobody really knew him. But they got to learn about him a little bit each year at the banquet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's a very unfortunate situation. I mean, I know it it hit me hard because the last time I yeah. the last time I saw him, I I wasn't very kind. He was trying to, you know, I think at this point it kind of goes without saying. Um, I was pretty pretty badly strung out on on drugs um and um you know he you know in typical towel fashion was kind of giving me the the whatnot about you know my addictions and things like that and just kind of like you know he he wanted to hold me accountable i was supposed to be responsible for the course you know because he saw what what potential that i think you saw in me as well and he was like you know you're wasting it like I, i think like he came in one day for um like for a rehearsal you know sometimes he just wander in like you know after school when we would have a rehearsal <laughs> yeah. or something like that and he wandered in and like i'm half slumped over i'm i'm hung over you know what i'm saying and and he called me out on it you know you know he didn't do it in front of you but you know and i went off on him and that that's actually the last time i saw him he patted me on the head and just kind of shook his head and walked off and that was the last time i saw him which i think you know, in part is is part of the reason why I took it so hard and why, yeah. you know, because I, I took that thing hard. <laughs> yeah, because you were not emotional at all in high school. Didn't seem to be, mm-hmm. but that did hit you hard. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we sang at the funeral, and that was tough. That was tough for everybody. Yeah, I ended up crying in Terrica's lap. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't wasn't quick for it, but but very good man and and definitely still missed. So yeah. Now now that I have you here on a lighter note, um, I have to ask you some questions. Uh, I'm always asked when I'm sitting around high school friends uh, when I come home. The 2001 2002 chorus presidential election. The rumor is that I did not <laughs> win the election, no, but that rather that true. you that, that now they say that you decided to give it to me. Because I had already been talking about leaving First Coast and going somewhere else, and that I was not, a senior. No, okay. no, but I will tell you, as many people as we had in the chorus, it was an exact tie. <laughs> and we counted them, I think we counted them five times. Mm-hmm. So I got together with the officers. Should we say who the other person was? Oh, yeah, 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 Ray Ward, absolutely. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, and I think, I don't know if Ray knows this or not, but we got together with the officers, and they all liked Ray a lot, but mm-hmm. they said, we're not sure if the course would listen to him. And so that's when it was decided you should be president. Okay. But it wasn't me. I let them talk it out. It was the officers. It was the other officers. Right, right, right. Because that, that's was, always I the... think that was the only time in the history. And you know, what are the chances of that after all those votes? And all, and we counted over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. it was an exact tie. Yeah, that that's so crazy because that nobody ever believes that story, that it was an exact tie. They believe, you know, Larson conspired because he wanted Brandon and Brandon was going to leave. And, you know, he, so he said, here, you can have it. Like, that's the story that people believe. Rather uh, than it having been a tie. Uh, well, I didn't remember the part of you leaving, but yeah. the, I have no reason to lie about it. So. <laughs> you know how that kind of stuff goes. So Yeah, yeah. Now, senior year, I, I sort of coasted musically. 
And I think it goes without saying that I didn't give you the effort that I had in the past when I felt like, oh, I'm having to work towards something. Because by the time I walked into senior year, I'm walking into senior year with a coat full of medals. I've accomplished a lot of the things that I think other people were walking into senior year trying to accomplish. Um, but I had enough talent to walk away with the third superior medal, superior medal and a bunch of other medals. That being said, was the choice... Uh, at that point to make me the only at that point musician of the year recipient to have to split the award a final lesson in humility and did you have a, a similar perception of me that I didn't give you my best effort in that senior year no you make things much more complicated than they are. <laughs> hey I gotta I ask it I got you on here so I'm like well let me uh, ask him okay who was the who was who Gerald Polk Gerald excuse me Gerald Polk Wow, I didn't even remember that. <laughs> Gerald must have. Oh, he did. Mm-hmm. Gerald, yeah. Well, because Gerald had come out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't in the chorus the whole time. No, he wasn't. And then he had made a superior on his solo too. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot what we based it on. But you know, like there, if you look on the plaques now, just to justify it, there were certain years where different grade levels they would they would have to be too because there was just. But it, it was no slam. But weren't you, like, you were on that plaque several times, though, right? I was on that plaque every time. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but you want to be by yourself every time. Okay, let's talk a little about humility. <laughs> That's why I figured, I figured it was a lesson in humility, like, you know. Yeah, it does not take away from you if you have to share one year with somebody. <laughs> with poor little Gerald. <laughs> Because what was so funny, because, and this is why I always thought that it was a lesson in humility, because you literally, like, you saw me getting the standing up, because everybody's looking at me, like, I, all eyes on me are on me. Everybody's like, yeah, he, Brandon's going to walk away with this fourth one, going to be the fourth time you Gerald's name? Yeah, you called Gerald's name. Okay, now, that does sound like me. I'm sure, now, I'm sure. I've the whole me. room went silent. They were like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was absolutely yeah, I, amazing. I will, I will confess to that one. Yeah, that sounds very much like me. Right. Now, did you feel like I didn't give my best effort in that final year because that's something that I've all, that I've always looked back at and I I, you know, you know, have a certain level of regret for like, you know, you always want to give your best effort all the time. I I do feel like I didn't give you my best effort, but was that something that you perceived like Brandon's not giving me everything he gave me 2 years ago? To tell you the truth, I don't dwell on things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't change the past, but we can we can change the future. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I I I just I don't remember okay. when you when you said that part about setting you up about the award. Yeah, that probably was true. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have called Gerald's name first. That's but um, I don't remember. I remember there were up and down times. Mm-hmm. But but you came through it, and you know it's 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 not where we begin; it's where we end. Mm-hmm. You know, so there and and you yourself were talking about you were thinking about leaving school and things like that. So um, you made it, and that's all that's that's all that's really important. Right now, as time has gone on over at First Coast High School, you had experienced some challenges regarding support from the school. 
that ultimately uh, led to in 2015 when you when you left the school after being there for so long to whatever degree you can uh, talk about what happened why it happened and your thoughts on uh, having to leave a place that you had called home for so long oh it I'll tell you everything. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had been there 24 years. Mm-hmm. That last year, there were 300 in the chorus, mm-hmm. and I was doing it all by myself. Mm-hmm. And they were still really good. I think that year we had uh, where women's chorus and men's chorus went to state, but we had two choruses at state. But we had a principal, Alvin Brennan, <laughs> who who would scream his head off at you when you're sitting three feet away from him. Mm-hmm. And with me, the, the sad thing was I never really felt that I was a target. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band director was a, tar- was a target. So it was nothing racially motivated. Right. Um, but he was terrible to the band. The band had it much worse. Mm-hmm. But I, most of the time when he was screaming at me, he had everything mixed up and I would just wait till he finished and I'd say Dr. Brennan if you don't like something I do you tell me one time and I never do it again and then he was threatening to write me up again and again and I'm like Dr. Brennan you have never written me up in fact no principal has ever written me up so I don't know where this is all coming from mm-hmm. And it even got down to Tahu scholarship. He had sat there in the um, banquet the year before and witnessed it all and then act like I was doing something criminal. And we had done it for probably eight or nine years by then. And he mm-hmm. had witnessed it all. But then the next year, there was something in his life. You know, when, when people are so horrible to you and there's absolutely no reason you know, you have to realize it's not you. Something is going on in his life or had gone on in his life, and he was not stable. Right. But I reached a point where they were messing with the schedule. They were going to, it was just going to be a disaster for the entire course the mm-hmm. next year. And I thought, and, and it even, I ended up um, in the hospital, and they found a place on my brain that was bleeding. And I was in the hospital for three days. I didn't know if I was, they were getting me ready for surgery. And I really didn't know if that was the end of my life. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the bleeding disappeared. And the only thing that they could um, figure out was that this was something I was born with, Mm -hmm. but it had never manifested itself till that, that last year at first coast. And they wouldn't, the main doctor wouldn't say, but all the assistants were saying, you know, it's stress. You know, that's what it is. So, so I knew that there was going to be a vacancy at Wolfson, and I went over and talked to the principal, and he was wonderful. And it was a much smaller program, but things were gearing up at my church. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I went to Wolfson, and it's been rebuilding ever since then. It was a much smaller program, and we're working to make it better. But mm-hmm. Um, it gave me the time I needed at the church. So, you know, once again, I'll say the Lord knows what he's doing, even when we can't see it. And first, people like, would you go back to First Coast? And that was a wonderful period of my life. And I still love First Coast, but, but that period is gone now. And I'm moving on. Okay. It's just, a, it's unfortunate because of, you know, like even for us as alumni, you know, 
for a lot of us, you know, it, it gets to a certain point after you age a certain amount of time, you don't come back for, you know, year graduations and things like that. But, you know, like if we would all come back for chorus concerts, we'd all come right. back. Yeah. For Christ- and, and those things Let's are gone Christmas. now. Yeah. 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 And it's unfortunate. Yeah, it is very sad. And, and to tell you the truth, they were going to be largely gone, even if I had stayed the next year. Mm. And and I might have been gone, too, but because um, I was watching it being dismantled for, for no reason, too. You know, when one person teaches 300 students, I'm paying for two other teachers somewhere in the school. Mm-hmm. You know, so... So there was something, but finally the super, and I ended up in the superintendent's office, the school board um, president. Right, because I remember everybody fighting, then, trying to trying to keep you there. Yeah, yeah, and then I ended up in the and the superintendent apologized to me and asked me to stay, but I said not as long as that man was there. And then by the next May, he was even fed up with him, and he removed him from First Coast and went out to the school and told the teachers that. And boy, was my phone burning up that afternoon when all the <laughs> teachers were and telling me there was. In fact, I knew before the teachers that there was going to be an emergency back on a Friday afternoon. So it was something big. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he's gone now. Right. That's a. That's unfortunate that that somebody somebody with issues going on in their life dismantled something yeah. that mattered so much to to all of us. You know, it's a yeah. it's unfortunate situation now. It is. Talk to me a little bit about things going on at Wolfson. Huh? How are things looking? I, I don't know too much about their about their course and how are things performing? Are they doing well in regionals and state things like that? What's going on? Yeah, well, the school is going under is a major transformation. Uh, it is moving from a local high school into an academic magnet school. Oh, okay. And if if you're familiar with the area that Wolfson's in is powers avenue off a of university mm-hmm. over in like lakewood area right that area is older mm-hmm. um and a lot of the families don't have children anymore so enrollment had gone down and evidently pat paxson and stanton are are both full all the time because mm-hmm. people are trying to find excellent high schools for their students so we're an international baccalaureate school ap school and uh, law and leadership okay and so it's a they're not running anybody out of Wolfson who's currently there. Right. But like last last year, it was ninth graders had to be magnet students. And then this year, it's ninth and tenth grade. Mm-hmm. And then as 11th and 12th graders graduate out, you know, it'll gradually be a full magnet. But it, it's rough because, like, if you move across the street from Wolfson and you're an 11th grader, you can't go to that school across the street. You go to Atlantic Coast. Oh, wow. Um, and if you're an 11th grader and get mad at the school one weekend and, you know, withdraw and then think you're coming back, you're not. Mm. So the only way a kid can come into Wolfson is if you're last year was just ninth, this year's ninth or 10th, and you apply to the program and are accepted. So the school is real small right now. Mm-hmm. So that means, you know, it's hard it's it's almost a third the size of first coast at when first coast was at its largest or half or half the size you know so that's a big difference in recruiting but i've got this year i am going to have um two women's choruses a concert choir and then we call it vocal ensemble there but it's like a chamber singer select group okay um so 
so it's different and i think eventually uh, the school's getting better and better and it's you know it's 53 years old now but they have spent some money on the inside of it and it looks wonderful and the custodial staff is really great there those floors you can see your face in them they're so shiny every single day so right it's 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 growing and i think it's going to get better but to tell you the truth it's a lot less work because i'm just not dealing with the numbers i was dealing with right um not having to bam your hand on the piano anymore (laughs) yeah well the other thing is we didn't have the money that we had at first coast either Mm -hmm. you know so so that's been something to adjust with we're barely getting everybody into uniforms just now the third year you know right so so it's been rough it's been starting over and it's hard to start over but but it's worked out okay okay good good stuff now some people say that for all of your contributions that at times uh, you've extended preferential treatment to, to giving students. Do you feel like that perception is accurate? And if it is, do you feel like sometimes there are some people who need a little bit more rope than others to be successful? Perim- who was the treatment toward? No, just extending preferential treatment sometimes maybe to certain students for one reason or another. Do you feel like you know you may treat some students different than others? And if so, do you feel like yeah, that's a byproduct of saying, well, in order to make this person be successful, I might have to give them a little bit more rope than I give the person next to them. Yeah, yeah. I would really do try and treat everybody the same. And, like, specifically, if a senior messes up and a ninth grader messes up, they're both going to hear from me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I wouldn't do it that way. There are some people, though, that – that especially when you learn their life situation and you're thinking, I'm not sure if I could have made it this far. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's when you got to take some of that into consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, still, still being strict, still having high standards and high expectations of them. But you got to have a little common sense too sometimes. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I, I mean, you know, people have always said that, you know, there were people like me, Javon, Daryl, you know, that people have always, I guess, thought that there was some sort of preferential treatment there. When I always explain to people, I think that if there was anything preferential in our relationship, it was like, yo, Brandon, I know you're going to do what you want to do, but you better have all those people that you had leave, <laughs> leave the school on a given day. You better have them back for chorus practice. And it was kind of like this this unspoken thing. So I don't think it was a situation to where you necessarily provided me any preferential treatment. It was just like, I know Brandon's going to do what Brandon's going to do, but if it impacts me, me and Brandon are going to have a conversation. So, you know, and you did make it back. (laughs) And and all three of those things that you mentioned were the ones that were there late the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And if I needed help with something, you're the ones that were there too, you know? So, that's part of yeah, I mean, they can say that's favoritism, but it, it kind of comes both ways. It's because mm-hmm. you're working. You're there doing more than everybody else, too. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can honestly say I, I never expected um, I never expected as a as a ninth grader to be as involved and engaged in courses as I, as I ended up being. But it ended up being a sanctuary in a lot of ways for me, because I mean, even looking back now, like I'm not really strongly connected to my graduating class in any real way you know i I did sports for a little for a little while i wasn't exceptionally great 
comparative to you know people like Jamel and Wanky and stuff like that. I mean, course was my thing. Course was what I did well. I think you know even now yeah. going on you know twenty years, people will say you know you know Brandon was the course guy. Like you know Brandon did his thing in, yeah. in, the, in the chorus room. So it's just you know that that was home for me. I didn't I didn't have anywhere else to go but there. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah, and that's important. Even today, I, I preach that a lot. I think I even say it better. You know, I start off. You know, I've always said, "Welcome to my family." I say that the first day to to every chorus. But now I make it the you know the chorus is your chorus room is your safe place. And I think people have you know thought that before, but I didn't I didn't say it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to to say that right up front. You know, times are almost tougher than they were back when you were in school, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with bullying and all kinds of pressures and expectations on the way you're supposed to act and when you're not supposed to act or live or lots of things. Some things have gotten better, but a lot of things haven't. Mm -hmm. But we're all people and we're all on this earth together, you know, and and that, that goes back to the core of being part of a performing group that we do something together that none of us could do separately definitely definitely now i'm gonna hit you with a couple of rapid fire questions they might you might have some elongated answers to some of them but i want to hit you with these before i let you go okay okay all right do you really hate altos (laughs) no that's not true sometimes it's sopranos (laughs) in different years they would swear that I think it was. I think it was always the altos and sometimes the second sopranos. <laughs> you know, craziest first coast high school core story that you can remember that you can tell without incriminating anyone. Oh, craziest one! Mm-hmm. I need a minute on that. <laughs> okay, we'll come that. back. We'll come back to it for your money. What is the greatest year in chorus? Your greatest. Stop. No, no, I'm just asking. Okay, I don't. Okay. It doesn't okay. have to be what I said. It doesn't have to be the year I was in. It, pick whichever one you feel like was the best. I'm sure kids want to hear, or grown folks now maybe want to hear. Okay, I go back to the craziest one. <laughs> okay. You don't remember anybody named Cash, do you? Cornelius? I think he... <laughs> he wasn't... He was after me, but I was probably subbing at that point. Yeah, I remember Cornelius. Yeah. He likes some weed. <laughs> A lot of us we did. Were, we were at... We were at candlelight in disney in disney and we're at a uh, embassy suites hotel mm-hmm. he's in the room you know it's got a suite so we can put more people in there there's like five guys in there mm-hmm. all african-american mm-hmm. ash is probably the smallest one mm-hmm. for some reason i knocked on that door and i hear him say it's mr larson it's mr larson so I go in there. There's one dude in there, like his shirt off, and he says he's getting ready to take a shower. I hear the shower running. I walk in the bedroom. There's four guys all in bed, like they're dead asleep. <laughs> I'm like, something <laughs> is suspicious. Because you know the guys, they won't, they pull everything off the bed, but they won't be sleeping in the bed together. Mm-hmm. And we had this grandfather with us, and Daryl was a 
um, he was a chaperone. Mm-hmm. And I thought, something's going on in here, but this grandpa probably can't take it. Mm-hmm. So I closed, <laughs> I closed the bedroom door. I didn't even think about this. So that meant that's me, one white guy with five big black dudes <laughs> in, in the room together. <laughs> they were outnumbered. Uh, so I go in the bathroom, the shower's running, and there's a chair sitting on both sides of the toilet, and there's towels under the doors, on, on, you know, like wet towels on the door. Mm-hmm. I knew something was about to happen, and I thought, now, I could try and search their luggage and, and, and look like a fool and probably not find what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. or I can threaten them real good. Mm-hmm. And I do have a good sense of smell, mm-hmm. and I'm like, <laughs> I know something's going on in this room, and you know, you know, you know my threat. You know, mm-hmm. you're going right. home. Mm-hmm. It, it, if anything happens, you know. So then the next morning we're at breakfast, and I like cash, mm-hmm. you know. And I go, and he's like smiling real big at me, and he's like shake. And we act like we're gonna hug each other. And of course, my nose goes onto his chest, and I said, you know what I'm doing. I was smelling his clothes as he's been smoking that weed. <laughs> and he's just smiling real big. <laughs> so, I'd, and I found, they told me later on, they had, it was it was on the back of their ear. I would have never found it. I would have looked through all their luggage and everything, but they told me later on, they owned up to it. So I wouldn't have checked, because they were like half a foot taller than I was. I would have never seen that, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that was pretty funny. I always liked that story. <laughs> Nothing bad happened, but it was kind of funny. But Cash knew mm-hmm. <laughs> I was going after him. <laughs> That's good stuff. So mm-hmm. back to the question. Greatest course okay. year. I don't know. They were all different. They were all good. Well, pick the one that you that, that really sticks out in your mind. Well, I will say the last one. The last one, okay. Yeah, because because I was living two different lives. Those students were were dedicated and were not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. But I would have to walk in and see them after I had the maniac in the office screaming his head off at me. Right. And you know, and I had to do that change. Um, you. Mindy Thompson, Jaminda Thompson, do you remember her? I remember Jaminda Thompson. Yeah, she was the one that always would make fun of me, how I could get so upset over something and then say, you know, and give you a good lecture, and then I'm like, okay, page three, and just go on, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, well, you can let it ruin the rest of the period, or you can get it out and then move on. And so I was having to do that daily, but the kids knew something was going on because it was going on all over the school mm-hmm. and that they held in there and and they did, you know, we went to candlelight and we, 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 we didn't go on a trip. That was the first year we didn't go on a major trip mm-hmm. um, and we had money and then we were getting in trouble because we had too much money. You know, it was one thing after another. That was really, really tough. So it was tough on them. So I was proud that they were able to hang in there with me until the end and even have a nice banquet um but then it was over okay uh, any female voice that sticks out from the first coast course you know i guess i put it as greatest but 
you know, there there are tons of really great voices that have that have come through. But, oh, but yeah, one in particular oh, yeah, sticks out. Lots. Um, Carissa. Do you remember her? Well, mm-hmm. was she the second black Miss First Coast? She had to be second. Or, no, no, Candace yeah. Candace was well no, Candace was actually second because the first one got was stripped of her crown. Something happened, she left, or they stripped over her crown. No, or something. no, she was first. Yeah, she, she was, was first. That then. was Carissa. And and it wasn't anything bad. She transferred to another school. Yeah, and she then they kinda wiped her out of the history book, yeah, which was stupid. Yeah, yeah. But. She had a kind of a she did have kind of a nutty mama. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember she sang the Sandy Patty version of the Lord's Prayer and signed it. And it did it was so beautiful. It didn't matter where we were, people were crying. Like we were standing in this horrible elementary school cafetorium with all these kids and some of the teachers, I thought they were going to have to leave the room. They were, it was so emotional, but it was, the voice was beautiful, but then all the gestures were so beautiful too. And she was a really nice person too. So um, that was one that stands out, but there's been many through, you know, toward the end, uh, Brittany Horton and Whitney mm-hmm. Pritchard yes. and going to state every year and mm-hmm. the work that they would do, you know, and they, they'd always want to do a language, you know, so that was some really beautiful things there, too. Um, uh, Daniels, what was her first name? Shanita Daniels. Yes, yes. Um, um, singing, uh, He Never Failed Me Yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, my God is able to deliver and uh, didn't my Lord deliver uh, those those words and you know she wasn't just singing them she was living them and feeling them so those were some great moments okay. just consistent great great singers not named Brandon Jacobs greatest male <laughs> voices you've ever heard in first <laughs> high school chorus <laughs> um Dion White who's still singing mm-hmm. you know great tenor and definitely gospel, but uh, did some very classical things at First Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, Daryl, you mm-hmm. know, Daryl Brill, when I was very proud of him, and his father came to something, um, who his father never came to things. Right. And I think it was his senior year, and he did really well on the solo. And you could see his father was just amazed because that was a world he had never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was a great moment. Of course, you you always did well, so I am going to mention you. And <laughs> for, I think you're the, probably the only person ever that won outstanding musician ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. No, Dion uh, came was, after me. Dion ended up coming after he me. He did. Yeah, he did do all four years. Yeah. Of, well, you were the first. I yes. must say that. All right. Um, and jo- Jovan was real good too. Jovan was more of a chorus voice, though I think, but he did some solos, mm-hmm. you know. And um, he was the first one to do Mighty Monarch. I mean, I I came back and kind of, you know, killed it. Right. But, I mean, he did it first. And part of, and I've always, I didn't say this when I was when I was younger, but I I always kind of idolized Jovan in in his vocal capacity. I mean, his voice was strong in a way that you know it took time for me to get that strong, but. You know, he came out the gate just really, really strong. You always had to say a little less Javon because, you know, because his, yeah. his voice was so strong. And and I always admired him for that, which is probably part of the reason why I, that was the song that I picked my senior year, because I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this song from Javon. Like, I'm just 
he's not yeah, going to be remembered. He's still singing. They they sent me a clip of him singing the Star Spangled Banner at some Marine function okay. not too long ago. You know, people are amazed because they don't think a Marine can sing. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Any plans for retirement? Oh well, yeah. Um, I'm really. I'm going to put this dig in. I'm too young to retire, but I've about done the years that I need to. So I am just going to teach five more years. Okay. I've let them know I've gone and they have this program. They call it the drop program. It's deferred retirement option plan. Mm-hmm. And so I've already signed up for that. So at the most, I will teach five more. Okay. Get but out of there before you're pretty- 80, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. My phone is <laughs> you're going to be too. Yeah, I, I've got your I've got your time. actual birth date sitting here on the sheet, but I'm not going to read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm going to hunt you down wherever you are. Um, yeah, I am going. So not more than five, but I keep the church job. Okay. And 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 they make a nice financial contribution to you over these next five years since I'm on this plan. So I think I'll be okay. But like I talked to my friend Jeff Dodd, who's at St. Augustine High School, he's a year ahead of me. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do? You know, he goes, well, if I want to work, I'll just get another job. So there's a lot of other things it could do. So, but probably just five more years in the schools. Okay. Okay. All right, Mr. Larson. Well, I appreciate this opportunity to get down to uh, get an opportunity to sit down and chat with you. I mean, I think that there's a lot of information here that I think a lot of people didn't know about you. They get a little bit of insight from you. Um, Before I let you go, uh, can you talk a little bit about anything else that you may have going on or or any projects outside of the school that you have going on? Or is it just the church? No. Well, in and I don't know if you know him, Daquan Flagler. Mm-hmm. Um, he came through First Coast a couple of years ago, and I ended up, I adopted Daquan. Oh, did you? And his, his, father, his father passed when he was a young man, like six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he had been through some medical things, too. And um, like most brothers, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not emotional at all. But I remember one night in the hospital, he just looked at me, and he's like, are you going to stay tonight? And that's when I realized that I love this boy, you know, because I ended up, I stayed all night, got up work, go to work the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but since then he's graduated from school. He's in mortuary school and works. He's a church musician, very talented with that, but he has a son now. Oh, and okay. His name is DJ. And anybody who sees my Facebook page knows that that boy is the joy of my life. And he calls me Papa, and he loves Papa more than anybody else. <laughs> That's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. But he's one and a half years old right now, and I've had such a great summer with DJ. And, and we have a Papa Day once a week. So that's, that's a wonderful, I think it's a gift from God, because this last year has been real rough mm-hmm. um, with, with some uh, legal matters with some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and financial things, and a good n- amount of money was stolen from me, and I'm in the process of getting that back. And, mm-hmm. But DJ came along, and and that kind of gift is much more important than legal or money matters, you know. So, so I've really enjoyed that, and it's it's good. I I love schools because 
it's never the same every year. And Monday morning, I'll have all new students walking in. So mm -hmm. the adventure continues. Definitely, definitely. Well, Mr. Larson, again, I want to thank you for taking some time out to, to sit down and chat with me. And for the listeners out there, if you want to get in contact with me, you can hit me up on the email, est1984 at gmail.com. You can also hit up the Instagram of the same name. And if you want to hit me up on my personal Instagram, it's at Brandon Kobe Jacobs. You've been listening to Brandon Kobe Jacobs. You've been listening to John Larson. And this is the Established 1984 podcast. Oh, and Mr. Larson, one more question. Well by the numbers, you know, Musician of the Year Awards, Superior Medals, etc. Who's the greatest <laughs> First Coast High School chorus student? I don't. How many medals did you end up with? Twenty-eight. Okay, <laughs> I think that I think that you're it. I remember some people that got. I I think the low twenties is the most I ever saw. Mm -hmm. But Lord, I mean, people would make <laughs> jokes about you look like you had been to several wars um, <laughs> when you come out. But yeah, 28. Four-time musician I of never, the year. I never got one in high school. It's all good, man. I'll I, <laughs> I ship you one of mine. It's all good. I've got so many, I'll probably forget it. <laughs> you guys have been listening to the Established 1984 podcast. Take care.